anyway, yeah, we had a uh, we had Ken K on the show last week, and um, he ended up just recording. I think he recorded all of his audio on his phone. Yeah, I think it was on AirPods because he was having so many issues or whatever. <laughs> right. Hilarious. Yeah. yeah, which is funny, right? Because the like the whole Apple thing was like all of your devices will work together seamlessly, especially if you're a content creator. And then it turns out they're like, no, apparently that, no, that's not how that works. Uh, uh, Apple, the AirPods fuck up uh, GarageBand. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, he was yeah, saying like was he couldn't he do it having. on two devices at once or whatever. Yeah, it's GarageBand freaks out and doesn't record. Well, at least it doesn't with the Scarlet. But anyway. See, listeners, you don't know the uh, the the travails of actually producing a podcast. <laughs> To uh, you, you know, it just braver, sounds we're, good. We're, we're, we're braver than the Marines. <laughs> a thousand Marines. I always tell my wife that when she, I'm like, I gotta record late. He's like, you know what you married into. <laughs> Poster, the poster's war. <laughs> right. gotta, gotta watch a three-hour debate. Just, you, you know what you signed yeah. up for. Oh, man. Yeah. I get, you, get paid, you, get, you get paid to watch Jack Ryan and make snarky commentary about it. <laughs> it beats the hell out of real work. Welcome back to the Liquid Flannel Podcast from Arlington, Texas. I am Matthew Hodges, joined as ever by my stalwart co-host and comrade in Omaha, Nebraska, Brendan Williams. Hello, Brendan. Hello, hello. How you been this past week? Well, you know, we, it's uh, it's winter in the Midwest, so... Uh, yeah, you guys got snow? It's a real roller coaster. No, it was like 50 degrees, and then it was like 20 degrees, so uh, yeah. it's it's something. Yeah, it was uh, it was like in the twenties a couple of days ago, and now it's like in the seventies, and my room is hot again. It's very strange. <laughs> the weird... joys of Texas. Uh, North Texas is very strange, but um, we we have another voice on the line tonight, um, helping us bring a little bit more perspective to uh, Great Plains weather uh, from Chicago, Illinois, and uh, host of the. Citations Needed podcast. We have Adam H. Johnson on the show. Hello, Adam. Hi. How you doing? It's very nice to have you here. Um, speaking of Miller Lite, is that is that um, or speaking of Chicago, is that Miller Lite you have? Uh, it's very yeah. This is yeah. This is Miller Lite. It's the official beer yeah, of Texas. It's funny. I never drank. I don't really like beer that much, but I, and I never really drank Miller Lite ever. And then I moved to Chicago, and I guess like the inundation of like ads finally got to me. And the other day, I was like, I'll have a Miller Lite. And I was like, I don't. <laughs> I don't even like it. Tastes like shit. You know, it's fine. The the thing is, it doesn't even taste like shit. For it to taste like shit, it doesn't taste like anything. It have to taste like something. Yeah, it's the least bad of all of the light beers. Because if you don't like beer, which I don't really, I don't know why. But like, you have to drink it in some context. Like, if you're watching like a baseball or football game or something, it's like you're just it's just socially conditioned through you know yeah thirty five thirty five years of watching ads. Um, like, I feel like I have to have a beer and it's like Miller Lite is, yeah, like the least offensive beer sure. than like Budweiser. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a, a cold, frosty, tasteless barley pop. <laughs> uh, you can drink it. You can but drink swear, it all day I swear it was and just not like, get drunk. It's great. 
It's very hydrating. It was just like being in Chicago. I suddenly like, emer- like it devolved into this like into like because my fam- my mom's family is from Chicago and I like devolved into one of my uncles. <laughs> you know, just drinking Miller Lite, watching the Bears game. Yeah. So, uh, uh, what's your position on Malort? Oh. It nobody likes Malort. It's like I think it's it's like a it's just it literally just exists to be a Chicago thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I it's feel like about a shtick. It's a shtick, and some shticks, even self-defeating shticks like Malort. I mean, it's I guess it's fun that it's like a thing, but it's obviously disgusting. Like nobody likes to drink it. You yeah. just do it to like prank people who are new to Chicago. I think I was up in it's ab- it's it's absolutely horrendous. Yeah, I was up in Omaha a couple of months ago, and the friend I was staying with uh, keeps a couple of bottles of Malort in her freezer. Just um, <laughs> I think mostly as a prank. Why? Oh God! Uh, as well, in, yeah, exactly. As, it's, as it's a, a prank. prank. Um, but. I was like, you know what? Fuck you. Like, you don't think I can drink this shit? So we spent an entire afternoon playing board games on her back patio with me just sipping out of a bottle of Malort the whole time. And See, every single think, time I, I was think... like, this is terrible. Why would anyone drink this? Yeah, I don't like there have been times where I've been like, we'll drink anything. And I don't I, I that's one of those like I would. I just wouldn't I just wouldn't drink. I would. Uh, I would I would sniff glue before. I was born in Colorado, but my toddlerhood was spent in Chicago, so I count myself as being a Chicago person, and that's why I can drink Malort. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think you should probably explain to people what Malort is. I, I, I'm not exactly sure what it is. It's a so Malort is a well, but it's it's for those that don't know, it's like a really shitty Chicago liquor. Yeah, and it's it's a distilled spirit made out of I believe uh, wormwood. Is that what the... That's like absinthe or something. Is... <laughs> no, I guess you're yeah, right. I not, thought not, that's, not, that's the liqueur. The liqueur but not, of, of... Yeah, not the good part of absinthe. Right. Absinthe. It, it, it has this really kind of disgusting anise flavor. Oh, it's just... I mean, it's really bitter is the thing. But yeah, it's not It's not like smooth or civilized. It's 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 rocket fuel. It's disgusting. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's, it's really not very good. Well, Adam, I'm I'm so glad that you've joined us. Um, you and I had a little bit of a, a Twitter feud one time, and I'm glad that we've we've just squashed it. We we squashed it, and now what you're. Do, I don't I don't remember this. What did we? What did we... <laughs> I, honestly, it was it was very silly. You made a joke about um, you you did something with Roman numerals, and I was like. That's not how you do Roman numerals. This is the actual can- – and then you just blocked me. <laughs> and it took like, and oh, it yeah. took like no, eight it's months. Funny. I, block, I, I block people pretty pretty reflexively because <laughs> it's like a – it's a self-care thing. Like I don't have – like I don't owe people my time. Right. And, uh, and, and like the 99% of my blocks are not like people being aggressive or mean. It's, it's people I think are being – are being fatuous. Like I have a very low tolerance. <laughs> I have a very low tolerance for like fatuousness. Like if you're just sort of being inane, I'm just I'm just like blocked. Well, not was, that I'm saying you were. No, I, I, I absolutely was. That's the that's pretty much my Twitter brand. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, no, I, I it's it's not it's like totally non-ideological. It's like, are you boring me? Yes, you're blocked. <laughs> like that's usually my That's no, that's good, but it also ended up bumming me out a little bit because you and I follow and are followed back by almost exactly the same set of people. So okay. I would like click over into the replies of, you know, a friend and there was like, this reply is hidden because you can't see the content or whatever. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's Adam H. Johnson. Fuck. <laughs> well, now you can hide I, all the replies. I bet whatever so he said solved. was really funny. 
Yeah, I, I feel bad because people always be like, why did you block me? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll unblock you. And it's, it's not like, a, I've done that at least like a dozen times. I, I It's not a, it's it's really just like a, I don't know. I, 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 I like you said, if you spend as much time on Twitter as I do, which clearly I do, <laughs> except for, ex, except, except for my, my weird sabbaticals for a few months at a time, I, um, I like, I like to have a clean, a clean, a clean yeah, sure. notification. Keeping that, keeping that slate clean. No, I understand that. Well, anyway, it ended up working out because here you are on liquid flannel with us and, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about some, you know, liquid flannel sort of stuff. And I, I don't know. I'm going to leave it up to you, uh, uh, Adam and Brendan here, which one we go with first, um, uh, because we've got a, a whole bunch of impeachment stuff and a whole bunch of Bolivia stuff. And both of you have been paying attention to those uh, a lot more than I have. Um, so, yeah, which one which one are we going to lead off with here? I'm good with either. I'm I'm a I'm a fucking pro. You put me in a planning position. Yeah. To guard uh, center. I don't care. Um, Literally like a Magic pro Johnson. podcast. I'll start every position. <laughs> um, yeah. Um. I don't know. I mean, are you following? The, so the impeachment things, I, I try to follow. It's it's obviously news. Here's my um, here's my overall take on the impeachment thing, uh, and it was a I think it was a take from uh, Kyle Kalinsky today, where he said like the impeachment thing is bad and dumb simply because it's so like complex and esoteric that you're never actually going to get the sort of I don't know, like grassroots groundswell that you need around this kind of thing, because it's always like, like this minor level Trump administration person said this specific thing to some fucking Ukrainian ambassador at to, some to point and they passed yeah. that along. And like, eventually it's like, man, I couldn't even follow the wire. I'm a dumbass. Like, I, I don't know how to follow complex stories like this. Um, yeah, so, well, which makes it the, feels not the, exciting. Yeah, and of course things don't have to be exciting to be impeachable offenses, of course. But I think I think the, um, I mean, I thought most of the RussiaGate stuff was 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 pretty silly. I mean, I I think it was worth investigating. There certainly was a lot of smoke there. Um, I do think a lot of it was was kind of a rat fuck, to be honest. Um, but this Ukraine stuff is is seems like it's pretty clear cut. I don't, I don't know if it's illegal, but it certainly seems right. impeachable because I'm, I'm obviously the, not a lawyer. The goalposts have shifted <laughs> because so he, far. Because like, the, guy's, the, guy, the guy's like, oh, yeah, no, he definitely was like, we're going to withhold aid. The problem is, is that the aid itself is bad. Um, <laughs> the, the, those are that – is, that is not aid in the sense that we're giving to, like, hospitals. We're arming uh, quasi-fascist and overtly fascist groups in, <laughs> right. in Ukraine, many of whom have a long history of anti-Semitism and, and far-right ideology – um, now, of course, there are other groups who, who aren't that, but a lot of the groups we're funding, the militias there are are not good. And Obama withheld lethal aid in part for that reason. Um, and now it's considered liberal. You know, you have all these people talking about how important this aid was to Ukraine and, and then how there was like anti-corruption efforts and all, the, all this stuff is silly. So there's this weird thing where, you know, the the underlying thing he did in terms of extorting a country to find dirt on his political opponent is certainly not good. It certainly ought to be impeachable, but the thing that he was withholding was bad, incidentally, which is really just a, a is a is a is an allegory for the whole Trump thing. Right? Wait, it's I'm, sort I'm of, sorry, I'm sorry, Adam. Are you saying that the hashtag resistance, which makes up uh, pro- uh, approximately ninety nine percent of our audience, 
is uh, <laughs> casually right. racist and uh, simplistic in the way that they uh, analyze geopolitical situations. I don't think I don't think that <laughs> I don't think that the vast majority of these people ever think to question the va- the liberal imperialist orthodoxy, right? Um, and to the extent to which, again, it's easy to get Trump on this stuff because it's cons- it's consensus amongst the Republicans, right? It's sort of it's always easier to attack from the right in any context. And so we can't get Trump on babies in cages or get Trump on his, you know, myriad real estate deals or any of these things. Yeah, we've got to get him on the, because the Democrats porn are also star are also or something. You know, well, right, because uh, in many ways that in, in many ways the Democrats are guilty of similar things. And so what we do is we get him on the thing. The Democrats try to get Trump on the thing that offends the least amount of people in power, which is sort of his weird, frantic, inconsistent bucking of national security orthodoxy. Right. Which he doesn't do out of any kind of Chomsky and, you know, Howard Zinn affection for the the oppressed in the global south. He does it because he's a confused racist who kind of doesn't who probably has an affection for for Putin. I think that's pretty clear. Um but it's not it's not it's not a coherent worldview. And so every every now and then he'll sort of stumble on something that's like less martial or less bad. Um in the same way that you know, a monkey throwing shit at a wall will hit, a, you know, a, a, a monkey throwing shit at a bulletin board will hit the bullseye. Like occasionally he'll get something right. And so because everything anti-Trump has to be, by definition, be good, you have liberals making these arguments that funding, that fueling and arming and, and escalating a conflict in Ukraine is a liberal position. And it's absolutely not. Here's the thing I've um, never thought about before, but do you and think it wasn't that, Obama's position? Do you think the that the, do you think the liberal brain... Um, dealing with things like uh, Russiagate or the the Ukraine situation um, has been materially damaged by um, what do you call it uh, prestige television where you've got people who are doing <laughs> crimes but like even though they're kind of like uh, like stumbling from episode to episode there's always like a plan like they're they're intentionally doing a thing whereas like with Trump it's He's just kind of a buffoon who just does whatever's good for him in the in the moment. Do you think that liberals have watched so much TV that they think that he's some sort of fucking Lex Luthor supervillain when really no, he's No, I think it's I think I think it's just it's a combination of he so he has a worldview and his worldview is is fundamentally racist and that is peppered with with venality. He he is extremely venal. Um, but you know, like for example, his, his weird positions on Syria, such as they exist, um, are, are, are animated by what he views as being, uh, a uniform radical Islam, um, that is partly true and most kind of not, <laughs> which is, which is and a ridiculous so, fucking frame to put on Syria. Cause that's not really what that dispute is about. <laughs> Well, I mean, in part, there you so you have you have some sectarian gangs, but like to the extent to which, for example, Trump is is maybe softer on Assad or 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 or, or, or it's it's not because he has some new. It's like Tulsi Gabbard. It's not because they have some nuanced view of of the the sectarian nature of the opposition. It's because they 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 think everyone who isn't dressed in a suit is a, is a is a radical Wahhabist head chopper, <laughs> and this is this is this is this is why. You know, for example, in Ukraine, you basically have a combination. You have a com. You, the, what's being battled is a form of two kinds of nationalism, and I think Russian nationalism in Ukraine is is less 
um, hostile to 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 is less racist, but it's by a pretty it's by a degree not 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 a not, not, it's it's not that it's not. So tr- I think Trump sort of goes through and tries to figure out who's the more pro white nationalist party, and that's where he kind of sets his hat. And in his mind, he's thinking, okay, well Assad is, seems less Muslimy than other Muslims, and so that's his guy. And and Putin's killing Muslims, right? And so that's good. And the Chinese are killing Muslims, and sometimes that's good, but then sometimes the Chinese are bad because he also hates Asians. So it's like. It's this weird hodgepodge of, of just sort of ad hoc racism um, that I don't think has a – and then also who's going to pay you the most? I mean who's going right. to support you the most? And that's true in Turkey. That's true in Israel. That's true – I mean Turkey Gate and Israel Gate were as big if not bigger than Russia Gate. And and the extent to which we completely ignored um, – because I mean you know the sort of two, the, the June – the sorry, the December 2016 cable intercept by the NSA was – that was between the Russians or whatever – the buried lead in that was that that they were they were not lobbying on behalf of the Russians. They were lobbying the Russians on behalf of Israel to abstain from the UN resolution to expand settlements in the West Bank. But Russia, you know, Russia is a is a, is a consensus bad guy. So that's what you get. You get um, that's where everything gravitates towards that. And then of course it takes on a mind of its own, and you have Rachel Maddow effectively turning into Glenn Beck over the last three years. <laughs> um, and it's sad to watch. You know, I, I do think it's actually quite toxic, and I think it, it'll. The lasting effects of that will will take decades to undo. Right. And they spend all this time doing all this impeachment stuff, but it's like there's just no chance that he's going to be removed from office. Like you're just never going to get that many senators to do it no matter what. Maybe not. So the reason why I support the impeachment process this time, even though it is fundamentally based on a really stupid idea of how precious you know the Ukraine government is or the Ukraine militias <laughs> are, is that I do think there's a bit of a – I do think there's a bit of a moral hazard at a certain point where like – when Trump's on crime number 750 and he's like committing crimey crimes with like crimey crime tattooed on his forehead, like you have to it's do damaged. something about it. it. It's a damage though. Because you tattoos. have to like – there has to be a line in which there, – there has to be a line in which Congress pursues impeachment even if it's very unlikely right. and even dare I say undermines the left and undermines the Democratic Party because I do think that if you're going to have any kind of semblance of law or any kind of restraint on what the president can and can't do – you, you, it sets up really bad. It, it's it's a moral hazard if the Democrats don't impeach because it's politically not advantageous. So, like when people say the Democrats shouldn't impeach because it's bad for the Democrats or it's going to you know obscure progressive policy, I think that's true to some extent. But I also think there is another, there is a there is a downside to just letting him do whatever the fuck he wants. And I do think, even though it's low hanging fruit and even though it's getting Al Capone on tax evasion, I do think Congress saying like okay. You can't shake down other countries to try to find extortative material on your political opponent. Like, right, well, like but, uh, you can't do that. Your, That's not okay. What's your take on the on the messaging around impeachment then? Because I I, I think the criticism is legit uh, that you say that like they're they're digging down into these uh, really like nitty gritty sort of detail things, and you hear it. You know, uh, the the only radio station in my car ever is uh, fucking NPR, right? And right. Every NPR time anything zombie. happening uh, on impeachment comes on, it's like I kind of tune out because now it's getting real. Uh, well, so th- this is this is, this is the brilliance of Trump in many ways, where like he commits so many crimes, like he just throws a torrent of crimes at you, that people get bored. Like again, I, I, <laughs> right. it's sort of a cliche at this point, but like, and this is what frankly Sanders and Warren or whomever should have said in the debates last night. They should have said, "Here's the deal. I know this all seems very esoteric, and I know this seems like 
we're on year 75 of a long impeachment trial. And at some point you get fatigue and it's true. People get fatigued. People have been talking about the end of Trump since December of 2016 before he was even in office, right? Um, You have to say, look, here's the deal. If what is alleged by the UN ambassador who was appointed by Trump, mind you, after he donated a million dollars to his campaign, if what he's saying is true, that he was given a directive, very clear directive to withhold aid in exchange for political dirt on Biden's son. If that happened to any other president, Obama, Bush, Clinton. So you, you have a frog in the boiling water problem. Like people don't no- notice how actually objectively outrageous these things are because, oh, that's that that's just Trump. Like he sort of desensitizes to you. Yeah. And I think what Democrats really need to do is, is reorient – uh, viewers and voters and be like, actually, this is objectively like even the shit he does with his hotels. Again, like oh, these were all impeachable offenses for every the president. And the problem is we get fatigue. And in yeah, a way, was a fucking I think, joke about I think uh, that's Jimmy the- Carter. Like he had to sell his peanut farm. Yeah, he had to sell his peanut farm. And in a way, I feel like part of the fatigue was is the Democrats' fault for going down this, I think, pretty fruitless Russiagate rabbit hole that was mostly hinged together by conspiracy theory. Uh, when real corruption like babies in cages and and uh his his you know shady financial deals and his hotels and you know foreign, right, foreign like ambassadors approving the fucking keystone pipeline just without but at the same time idea. he just commits a lot of crimes and so it's like in this weird way he just it's just you know he goes he leaned into it he let off with it he said i with the debates he's like i'm corrupt i'm an asshole because his, 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 his opponents thought they would own him in the very first debate by being like, you donated to Democrats. And he goes, yeah, I donated to Democrats because I'm a real estate developer and I needed him to do me favors. And they were like, wait, what? Like right. he, he like <laughs> let off with I'm a fucking – he's like, I'm corrupt. That's my thing. But I'm going to be corrupt for you, white men. And and that's hard to combat because he, he like owns that he's corrupt. He doesn't even try to not be. It's part of his shtick. Well, and the end result of this whole impeachment thing is just going to be like, you know, a clip of, you know, like Ben Sass being like, well, obviously the president did crimes, but I don't care. <laughs> and so and they think well, that, that's basically that they're going to be like, yeah, we got say. him. See, we got him now. They said it. And, but that's already the case. And obviously it's, it's not yeah, going to change Because as long as. As long as they get their Supreme Court justices that will vote to, you know, give, um, you know, tax breaks to Coke Industries and, and permit women to be chained to the stove and turned into birthing machines, like, they don't care, right? Like, they don't this, – this is why this constant indignation posture from resistance liberals about, oh, there are no shames or there are no good Republicans left. It's like, no, <laughs> there never was. Yeah, That's stop deal. your Stop your like, fucking Aaron Sorkin nonsense, the belief in the yeah, norms and so, of – yeah. All right, now, before, and I think sorry, the, sorry, before we go into the break, we're, we're kind of coming up on it now. Um, I'm going to give, uh, let, let's take two minutes and go uh, Democratic debates last night. Takeaways? Yes. Uh, it was a horribly moderated debate. In fact, my partner is working on an article right now for uh, Jacobin, how horrible, that, how horrible it was. Hopefully, that'll be out by the time you hear this. Uh, specifically, the very far-right foreign policy questions asked by Parker and Mitchell and, and Maddow that were uh, that were basically just kind of uh, baiting them. Here we have uh, they asked Elizabeth Warren. This is I, this is honest to God the stupidest, most inane <laughs> and, and right wing question that I've ever heard in my in my many years. Um, so they asked Elizabeth Warren two questions that made my that made my brain bleed out of my ears. Said quote <laughs> Ashley, uh, Ashley Parker, the White House correspondent for for NBC, said quote You've said the border wall. That Mr. Uh, that President Trump has proposed is quote a monument to hate and division. 
Would you ask taxpayers to take down any part of the wall? Would you ask taxpayers <laughs> to pay to take down any part of the wall on the, the on the nation's southern fuck? border? So you have a question. You have a question that is like this thing's a this thing's a racist apartheid wall. But then weirdly, taxpayer, which of course codes is white, right? Um, would would you ask them to take pay for it to take it down? I mean, it's like some someone had a good joke to like, Mr. Gorbachev, how will we pay to tear down this wall? <laughs> I mean, it's it's like this. I mean, this is just the this. It's like this weird comp. It's so inane. I almost can't get mad because it's just mind bogglingly stupid. Um, and then they asked Warren. Um, Elizabeth Warren, only about this is Rachel Maddow, by the way, um, who's I don't know, it basically has become a total cold warrior. Elizabeth Warren, only one percent of Americans serve in the United States military right now. Should that number be higher? God, um, which is which is two things about this question. Number one, uh, about 0.8 percent of the American labor force is in the military, which is actually which is actually slightly above the global mean. Um, it's completely normal, completely average for one percent of your population. To be in the military, in fact, it should be probably far less. But also, of course, the U.S. spends fourteen times or eight times more than Russia. Right. Uh, the budget, the budget increase in the military from twenty seven fiscal year twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen was actually the, the the increase was bigger than the entire military budget of Russia. Um, despite having one fifth of China's population, we have three times as big of a military budget. <laughs> so, like the Christ. idea, the idea, the idea that somehow like there's not enough people in the military, which of course is increasingly becoming drones and automated anyway. It's such an inane question. Like, how do you answer that question? Well, it's, and you it's, also it's, just said, I mean, you just had that article that came out recently about how uh, the DOD ended up spending, what was it, like fucking $300,000 on like crab legs and lobster or something just because they had to spend the money because like, what if we yeah, don't spend the idea this money? That, like, like, so our these our are budget all, will get cut. These are all questions from the right, and they did this all night. They kept asking these these right wing frame questions about budgets and deficits and how you're going to pay for that. Now, when Pete Buttigieg promised to quote unquote bring the military into the 21st century, which is code for spend more money on the military, right? They uh, they needless to say did not ask how he will pay for that because they never ask how you're going to pay for the military. <laughs> so there's this weird thing at MSNBC where they need to look serious. So to, the way you act serious is to attack from the right, right? Sort of to say, well, this is just a wild, cranky, progressive program. But so-and-so from the, you know, corporate institute of the Raytheon studies of oriental meddling or or the, you know, um, Walmart Walmart Center for American Progress says this. And it's like, it, 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 and then you combine that with the general Cold War brainworms of MSNBC since Russiagate. I mean, the questions on North Korea were right-wing. They basically said that the US had given concessions to North Korea, which is just not true. Um, they asked, they, they, they painted diplomacy as something sinister, which is very bad. Right. They were like, um, who, will you talk to, you know, Assad or whatever, you know? Yeah. And it, yeah. And Andrea Mitchell said, would you talk to quote unquote, um, our adversaries? So there's sort of this possessive, uh, uh, possessive <laughs> right. pronoun of our and, enemies. And by the way, how dare you? Right. Which, which is like, who's our in this question? Like, I don't, you know, these aren't my enemies. Well, it's everybody who's against um, Evo Morales, basically. Right, and so there, and and then there's this. Um, it, it's just it's just shockingly inane, and it's just it's 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 it's. And Jake Tapper does this worse than anyone, where you sort of these, these things are ideological. <laughs> yes, he I mean, does. The 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 the, 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 the primary purpose, one of the primary purposes of debates, is to sort of ideologically dress people down, to like make sure you know that. I mean, when when Anderson Cooper, the very first question that Anderson Cooper asked Bernie Sanders in the 2015 debate, he used the word socialism three times, the word Soviet, and the word Soviet Union twice. Um, you, you, and then he asked – the follow-up question was he had everyone on the stage raise their hands to say who was a capitalist. 
this is an inquisition. This is not a this is not a debate. Like they they are there to make sure that if you veer off the script, you're gonna they're, they're gonna make sure to call you. They're gonna make sure to call Tulsi Gabbard an Assadist eighty five times. <laughs> um, they'll of course they of course never attack her for her ties to white nationalist or, or Hindu nationalist, but they will attack her for for not parroting some specific form of script vis a vis CIA coups. And so, um, well, she's this incredibly is, this is, bapping is the thing, right? Well, yeah, yeah, it reminds me of like she's what's bapping that Jeremy Corbyn one where they were like. The nukes are in the air. Are you going to nuke back or whatever? <laughs> Where right. it's like, how do you yeah. how do you answer that question? Like, what even is that question? It's completely yeah, it's ridiculous. The, it's the it's the it's the you know what if someone's you know Michael um, Michael um, Bublé Dukakis? What if someone's you know what what if someone's raping your wife? Would you raped and murdered your wife? Would you want to kill them? I mean. You know, it's just it's just demagoguery posing as a question, and they always do this. Some say, some are saying, some are saying. <laughs> uh, they, uh, they did this to Warren too. That is to Warren too. They said some some are some have worried that 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 you're that you're too far left on healthcare and that'll alienate voters. You're it's like, right. why are you saying some say? Just say you believe that kind of rich. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the that's the magical uh, formula for any uh, New York Times op-ed. Right. Oh, yeah. it's like some and, people and are funny, saying <laughs> Trump. Trump does it now too. Of course, Trump, Trump does. Trump does the every, more and more people are saying, and it's like it's the same formula, right? Fox Fox News invented it. All right, actually. listeners, they, they, they we, we clearly we clearly have Adam one hundred percent wired and geared up to go into our next segment, but we are going to take a little break there. Uh, when we come back, uh, Brendan has uh, an interesting news article. A couple of them. Well, they're not going to give it to the government. Well, God love you. You got the right candidate in Bernie. You got the right one. Well, in Elizabeth or whomever you have, that's a great thing. But here's the point, folks. I have to talk about this incredibly convoluted Omaha politics story. So strap in. Get ready for the ride of your life. I'm buckling up. This is a real bipartisan tale. It envelops everybody. The president of the Omaha Firefighters Union assaulted a black woman in a bar and shouted white power and the mayor fired him. <laughs> just like apropos of nothing, just yelled white power. That's just how we do, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's actually even... That's not how we do. It's, uh, it's even more ridiculous because he uh, reportedly hit on her four times. Uh, the first two times she ignored him or the third time she told him to leave her alone. And then he went back a fourth time and then whispered white power to her and elbowed her in the back of the head. What um, the fuck? So, so we, we've got a, we've got a combination of like racism and incel mentality. Yeah. But his claim is why well, I, I didn't hit her on purpose. And also I was saying what white power as in, no white power here in this very friendly multicultural bar that I'm in. My f car still runs on an internal combustion engine. There's no white power there. <laughs> I, I can't believe that somebody would have mistaken me talking about how there's no white power. You know, it, it's a bar, so it's possible he was offering her cocaine and was saying white powder. <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was completely innocent. That seems like the more plausible excuse I would have I would have used. No, it was booger sugar, I promise. <laughs> you should have gone with that. That would have been good. But so then the mayor of Omaha, who is, of course, a Republican, uh, fired him. Of course. Uh, he later pleaded no contest to misdemeanor assault uh, and disorderly conduct charges based on the bar incident. So guilty. Right. 
it seems like it, right? Like he's admitting seems seems pretty guilty yeah. to doing it, right? So and then th- he got fired, but then he argued that he was wrongfully terminated. Oh, this guy seems lovely. And so it went to this long, drawn out arbitration process that involved people on both sides of the political spectrum writing letters of support to the Omaha Fire Union chief who was fired for his racist bar fight. Jesus Christ. Well, by by political spectrum, you mean political parties, right? Exactly. So, uh, of <laughs> yeah. course... Those are, not, those are not the same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, to both, both centrist political parties in, in the Omaha area uh, got looped into this. So, former Democratic rep Brad Ashford and his... who was beaten in the election by Don Bacon... Uh, a couple years uh, ago. I'm sorry. Could you, these, these these names you're giving me are so corn fed. Ashford, Bacon. <laughs> are there any non wasp in the state? In Nebraska, no, no. Well, except for the the girl who got fucking elbowed in the head. <laughs> oh yeah, fair enough. Right. Yeah. Only the only the victims of, of crimes, right. not the perpetrators, <laughs> or the people or the people who write letters on their behalf. And so, yeah, a former Democrat rep and the current uh, Republican rep both wrote letters. I guess like it's like letters of support, basically saying, like, don't fire this union guy because he endorsed me in an election. Right. Uh, so, like, please don't fire him because uh, I owe him. He owes me political favors or whatever. Then uh, the mayor of Omaha, who herself is a Republican, uh, said, I don't really think you guys want to be writing letters in support of this racist dude. And then they tried to charge her with witness intimidation for what? suggesting that they the withdraw fuck? their letters of support what? Um, <laughs> during the arbitration. And then the arbitration committee said, oh, he probably shouldn't have been fired in the first place. He should have just been, you know, temporarily suspended without pay. Yeah, you knew a, a three-day um, like sensitivity training or something like that. Right. Uh, I think one of them, somebody suggested like, oh, five, suspended five days without pay. I was like, wow, what a uh, what a punishment. Uh, and they referenced some like previous incidents where they were like, well, there was another firefighter who like said Obama and Black Lives Matter were terrorists while he was on duty in a racist Facebook post. And he he didn't get fired. He only got suspended without pay. So this guy should, you know, obviously. I'm not sure that makes the case he thinks it's making. Yeah, wait, were they were they talking <laughs> right. about Dan Crenshaw? Because that guy's fucking killing it out there. And so now they have to decide if they if they want to fight the arbitration and and appeal the arbitration, or if they just want to like give up uh, and reinstate uh, this guy as the uh, head of the Omaha Firefighters Union, uh, even though oh he basically pled guilty to yelling white power and assaulting a black woman. So that's where that's where we're at uh, politically here in, in Omaha. We got to get Trillionaire back on the show because he, you know, just <laughs> became a firefighter. So yeah, not all firefighters, please. I think his punishment should be Miles Garrett gets to beat him in the head with a football helmet <laughs> for 10 straight minutes. And then we'll uh, we'll call it even. Well, Brendan, that's some interesting racist news that you've brought to us. And also, you posted a thing in our uh, our show Slack uh, in the past couple of days that I was hoping you could talk about, which is seems like more uh, just like virulent racism. Yeah, keeping the theme going. Um, about Nebraska sharing drivers' records with the Census Bureau. Can you fill us in on that a little bit? So yeah, you you may recall that a while back, Trump told 
the Census Bureau to ask people if they were citizens. Sure. As part of the census. That got rejected, right? That it's it's not going to go through. His, his Gestapo crackdown. Right, right. which they said like, oh, it seems like that's, you know, blatantly unconstitutional and also racist and also voter suppression and all, you know, all this stuff. And he was like, yeah, 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 that's why I want him to do it. And so they said yeah. like, oh, you're not supposed to say that out <laughs> right. loud. Right, exactly. And so don't do it. And so what he did. Stephen Miller went home and beat his dick purple that night. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And so what he did instead, because they can't ask it on the citizenship actual uh, census question, they can't ask the citizenship question. He said, well, what we should do is we should somehow create some sort of other database of citizenship that's separate from the census that we can then combine with the census data to really get the same end result where we can determine the citizenship of somebody based on their census information being combined with a separate database. Well, just for the purpose of uh, scientific interest. Well, in fact, amazingly, what their argument was, was that they needed this information so that they could properly enforce the Voting Rights Act to ensure that racial uh, minorities were protected, uh, that their voting rights were protected. Uh, That's why they have claimed that they need this information, which is, of course, 100% laughable because the actual reason is so that they can not count citizenship for redistricting. (laughs) Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Back up. Back up for a second. So... The Trump administration is using a a law that was intended to protect ethnic minorities in this country in order to make sure that they have all of the information on ethnic minorities so that they can do worse things to them. 100 percent. Absolutely. And so the the plan is to get the citizenship data. And then at some future point when they have the data, they can then say, like, flip the switch and say, Oh, now when we redistrict the congressional districts based on the census data, we're actually not going to base it on the population of your district, but only on the eligible voters in your district. So, you know, if you're a city like L.A. or something like that, where there's a lot of undocumented residents of your city, you will have your congressional allocation of of congresspeople and your representation significantly decreased and you know other places where it's extremely white and there's you know uh, in rural montana or whatever or say like south omaha all of a sudden like loses a shitload of congressional representation but a super white city or something would uh would gain representation right because there's everybody there is a uh, or an eligible voter and so uh they said to all the states hey, help us build our racist database of citizenship status based on the information that you gather uh, at the state level and just give it to us. Every other state said like, Mm, I don't think so. Or like, may, hold on, like, we'll think about it. But Nebraska was the first to say, 100%. Every other state except for? Nebraska. Yeah. We are the first one to say, hey, we're, we're getting the data to you, Trump. And so they're going to include, uh, because Nebraska is, of course, a state where they verify your citizenship status when you get a driver's license. Unlike some states like California, where that's not required, you can get a driver's license regardless of your documentation status. In Nebraska, you have to verify that you're 
a legal citizen or you know a registered resident or whatever to get a driver's license. And so they can use the driver's license data to figure out who's not a citizen. Um, they will also give them your name, address, date of birth, sex, race, and eye color. Uh, that will all be part of the information that they're providing to the Trump administration. <laughs> I've been, uh, I've been, I apparently been sleeping on Nebraska's racism. I was not aware how, uh, how, how sophisticated it was. Well, you know, the, the current, uh, Political establishment is uh, is really trying to come up in the world, and that's uh, that's how you well, do it. Well, I was going to say the fucking the fucking governor is one of the Ricketts family, so you know, take from that what you will. Ah, the, the Cubs owners themselves. Yeah, y'all have that going for you too, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's something that that unites uh, both of our cities. Speaking of uh, speaking of the Midwest, <laughs> you know what I really really want to do this next summer is go to that really stupid marketing gimmick thing baseball's doing, where the White Sox are playing the Yankees in Iowa. In the, uh, oh, field, in the field, field of dreams. Of, field of dreams. <laughs> Give more details on that because I don't know what that is. Well, so there's, you know, baseball does these marketing gimmicks every now and then. They, they did a, gosh, I think they did a game like, you know, they do games in London. They do football, does games in Mexico City, whatever. They're having a game in the middle of Iowa and it's called the uh, Field of Dreams game, which is just like nostalgia porn for like boomers and, and uh, boomers at heart. Boomers at heart like me. Yeah, sure. Any, anybody who still thinks that uh, Kevin Costner like got a bad rap in Hollywood, right? So they they uh, they build this. They're built. They built an eight thousand five hundred capacity stadium in the middle of I don't even know how, I don't know where exactly it is in Iowa, but it's somewhere in the middle of fucking Iowa, <laughs> and um, it's built right next to it. They built the fucking thing. They're building it, and it's right next to where the the movie was shot. It's not the actual field, but it's because that's too small, obviously. But the, the, the it's a it's, it's a tourist attraction. Did all it's of a, their did all of their dead dads come back? Well, that's the I'm <laughs> I'm just hoping that Ken Caminetti comes back. I have my sights a little lower. Uh, I really loved him until he died in an alley of a drug overdose. That's true. I guess I do have a dead dead now, so maybe maybe I can hold out for hope. Um, but the um, oh no, the thing is, the the White Sox are playing the Yankees, and I'm a White Sox fan. And I was like, you know, I've been, I've always wanted to go to Iowa. I've never been to Iowa. This would be like a fun excuse to go. And I'm a, I'm a White Sox fan. I root for the White Sox now, so I'm gonna go to Iowa. And uh, I don't know, figured it's like in August, you know, whatever. I, yeah. Well, I hope you're ready to pay like $600 to stay in like a Motel 8 in Dubuque, <laughs> Iowa. Because, yeah. My, so my fear. Uh, it is not a city that has the infrastructure to support uh, an event of this magnitude. <laughs> my fear was that it was is going to be a gouge fest for the tickets. Although they said the tickets aren't going to be that expensive. Although I'm yeah, it's going to be fucking fire fest for baseball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's going to be fire festival for, for 55 year old white men. You can just drive there, sleep in your car. But because I've been wanting to go, I've been wanting to go to Iowa to see the the, the Cubs AAA team. Just for whatever, I think it would be fun. I, I love I love minor league baseball. It's like it's my favorite thing in the world. There's nothing wrong with baseball, listeners. Listeners, uh, liquid flannel is in favor of baseball. It's good. It's, it's it's an American pastime. Yeah. Well, it's gotten to the point now where I'm I'm considering driving out to Iowa to watch a game in the middle of a fucking <laughs> cornfield. Yeah, I love games. Bernie tweeted the other day like. Uh, Yes, he did. He was like, "I support Triple <laughs> baseball teams and uh, and and their rights." It was it was amazing. This is one of the things I love about Bernie. Is he does he he does these kinds of like Warren would never do something like this because it's 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 sort of like the incoherent um, kind of authoritarianism that Trump that, that Trump tries to gesture towards, like populist authoritarianism. We're like. You know, people like baseball and these evil corporations are shutting down baseball, which is true. They are. It's actually really greasy what they're doing. But he's not, he's not totally wrong. His baseball, the entire existence of Major League Baseball is built on tax subsidies and, and monopoly exemptions. 
they sort of do have a public interest purpose, right? They, they, they have, they've had monopoly exemptions since I think 1910 or 1911. And these minor league teams are an important part of the, for better or for worse, the sort of cultural civic cohesion of a lot of these small towns. Um, and so if they're shutting down half of them. That, that could actually be quite bad. So fuck it. I think the president should intervene and tell him, look, asshole, if you want these tax breaks and monopoly exemptions and you want to run a, you know, the, the minor league teams are basically sweatshops, you know, $26,000 a year, et cetera, et cetera, then like you're going to have to, because uh, they're not unionized, which they should be, you're going to have to stay in this city or that city. Because, you know, there's not a ton to do in the, on a Tuesday in August in fucking Appleton, Wisconsin. No offense to Appleton, Wisconsin. <laughs> right. Lovely town, but let's be honest. Um now I'm obviously biased as a as a baseball fan, but I I, I do think I do think there's a there is a public uh, responsibility to not just shut down people's teams. The Vermont Lake Monsters are Bernie's uh, yeah. hometown team. We have the Omaha Storm Chasers up here. That name kind of trivialized that tweet a little bit. He's like, I'm going to stand up for the, for the Lake Monsters, and I was like, Bernie. The best one is the Amarillo Sod Poodles. Is that your team? <laughs> No, it's uh, they're up in Amarillo, so oh, okay, they're like okay. three hours away from me. But is that like an armadillo reference or something? Uh, no, no, it's a uh, prairie dogs. I think. Oh, okay, it's okay. Like, it's like what I don't know. It's what like country people in Texas called prairie dogs, the sod poodles. No, that makes sense. The uh, the San Antonio AAA team, the San Antonio Missions, which is a horrible imperialist name anyway, but they um. They they used to be double A to the triple A, but they had a promotion for a while where they became the Flying Chanclas, which is like flying oh, shoes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, those jerseys like in San Antonio like sold out overnight. Like everyone wanted a Flying Chanclas shirt. And uh, and now they're like slowly sort of changing their name to the Flying Chanclas because it's, you know, it's not a 80% of their fan base is, is, is Latino. They're not, you know, the missions is probably not the romantic name for, yeah. <laughs> you know, settler colonialism. I think the, the way that minor league teams do all the goofy little gimmicks and the names and the, and the you know, seventh inning stuff and the, is, is, is way more, it's, it's bang for your best bang for your buck in terms of a night out with the kids or whatever. Oh, hell yeah. I love going to the, the Storm Chasers games. They do fireworks and stuff. It's great. And it's so super cheap too. Yeah. Like if you want to go to a real game, it costs like $120 or whatever for tickets. I went to a Bulls game with my niece and it's just like, it's a total gouge fest. And it's just, you're up in like section doubles at quadruple Z. And it's just like, maybe I'm just getting old and curmudgeonly. But. Well, no, I mean, I, I live uh, like five minutes away from the fucking Rangers stadium. And it's nice to be able to go to a game, but we always have to get the cheapest possible tickets and yes it costs like a hundred dollars when you talk about like parking well fortunately the white Sox, the white Sox are dirt cheap because they suck and nobody wants to go <laughs> now if you want to go to a cubs game well the rangers fucking suck too but they they haven't lowered the prices for it well wrigley field is is it looks like a, a paul ryan selfie it's it's the whitest thing you've ever seen in your life um, it's a bunch of Northbrook Republicans and I don't want to be Mr. Populist, but the, the, the White Sox games are, look like a normal, like they look, it looks like Chicago the, the, and, and it's, you know, their fan base has always been poorer than the Cubs. So they have to make the tickets affordable as people just won't show up. Strangely enough, I do need to get my charger, my phone, my, I just realized my computer's at 1%. <laughs> well, that's so a, that's a we, perfect time. So why don't we put a, uh, why don't we put a, a, a pin in this? I'll be right back. I'm going to grab my charger and let, so I don't lose you. All right, folks, we'll take a little break there. Perfect. They used to be called Prairie Dogs, but that won't work for double A ball. And it's the bottom of the ninth and the game is on the line. They are the sod poodles, sod poodles, that's right, they're called the sod poodles. And when you come to our rough and rugged town, you might laugh and point and say, oh lordy man, their name's insane. But you won't be laughing when you get beat down. 
by the sod poodles, sod poodles, that's right there called the sod poodles. You won't be laughing when you get beat down. My hideout for the week is uh, this very funny clip of Eric Swalwell on, uh, I think it was the Chris Matthews, was it Hardball? <laughs> Are you talking about Fartgate? Yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll just play the clip Jesus. right here. Chris, so far the evidence is uncontradicted that the president used taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help him cheat an election. So... Uh, <laughs> It turns out that, like, nobody actually farted. It was somebody, like, scooting a mug across the 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 countertop. But it was still incredibly funny to see live. That's the most positive thing I can think of that's happened politically in the past couple of weeks. When I saw that, I was definitely laughing. Uh, I, I was rolling on that <laughs> shit. I listened to it, like, ten times. It was absolutely right. Well, and hysterical. it's like a fart... It's it's always funny. It's universally funny. And also, because politics are so bad at this point, like, it just felt like, it felt kind of like a pure thing uh, that we could all laugh about. You know, it didn't have to do with corruption or fucking abuse of authority or anything. It was just somebody farted. You know, it's sad that Roger Stone's, like, in jail now, but that's, like, the exact type thing... <laughs> him or like the uh who's that new guy like james o'keefe or whatever is just gonna like put whoopee cushions <laughs> right, yeah, in totally. congress or whatever and be like i got him they're oh, I'm taking him down now did you see the uh that uh ben garrison cartoon where it was like trump issuing a pardon to roger stone roger you're the only person i could think of who could turn like a prison uniform into like a fashion plate oh styling yeah <laughs> So that's my that's my handout for the week. I thought that that was very funny. Um, Adam, yeah, um, I, I I gave you enough of a, a preview of what the show tries to do. Sure. Did you come up with a high note? Um, high note. Um, let's see here. So no, the Spurs are losing. The Bears are <laughs> the losing. Short answer there. You know, your Mavericks smoked the Warriors the other night, but then again, they don't. <laughs> um high note uh let's see here i'm alive i'm healthy i just got married boom yeah that's amazing yeah the the listener would not know that uh you and i have been talking about having you on the show for uh like six weeks or something like yeah that. but you, you reached said, out to me while i was getting you know, married i can't do it i'm getting married <laughs> and then i'm going on my honeymoon you called him in the middle of the vows my honeymoon's actually next week but i what i got so i got married but we didn't legally get married we did like the the you know family thing or whatever but then we got legally married last week so i've actually only been married for a week you know i got that going for me well thank you for canceling your honeymoon to come on the show we really we're very <laughs> yeah honored. you know it cost me it cost me about seven thousand dollars but you know it was worth it <laughs> agreed agreed um <laughs> i mean do you even like her though that's uh that's a big. I question. love her. She's 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 the best. <laughs> I I am I am both in love with her and, and and love her at the same time. How many times have you did you block her on Twitter before you guys? <laughs> no. Modern romance. <laughs> However, we did we did meet um, writing at the same publication, so we have a little bit of a meet cute. Oh, that's great. So what do you what are y'all doing for your uh for your honeymoon? Is it tropical or are you gonna go on a fucking I'm not disclosing that. I'm remaining private about that. You're gonna take her to uh the, the town of Pripyat, 
the Ukraine. We're going. They're going to the Field of Dreams, man. Oh, yeah, Come on, right. yeah. <laughs> I'm taking her. I'm taking her. I'm, I'm. I'm taking her to a Bears game. Um, no, I. Uh, Chicago tradition. Yeah, Soldier Field. You get to watch them lose again um, to the Giants. Um, no, I. Uh, you know, Chicago's very cold, and um, as as you know, it's, it's, I guess this is like a, this is it's totally inane to talk about the weather, but I'm curious: is Chicago colder than Nebraska or no? It is. It's about the same, but the, you get the lake effect snow, so like it can get real bad up in Chicago. Where uh, in Nebraska, it's just the plains. So. Well, it's it's wetter, but in my in my head though, that's colder. No, it's I mean it's, it's more wet in Chicago because of the lake effect, so it can be roughly equally as cold between Omaha and Chicago, but Chicago's going to get a shitload of snow, whereas Omaha's going to get the, uh, like, freezing ice storm sort of thing. Like, everything just gets kind of glazed with ice. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Because people, I feel like people are always shocked to learn that Chicago is meaningfully colder than New York, because I lived, I lived in New York for 10 years, and New York is apparently on average 8 degrees warmer than Chicago. Yeah, because people people think oh it's all the same, but Chicago gets like cold, cold. Oh yeah, um, in a way that I uh, I was not prepared for when I moved here. It's a moist but cold in Chicago. The for thing, sure. the things, the things we do for love, right? Otherwise, because <laughs> uh, I can actually live anywhere. I can do my job on a fucking beach somewhere because it's podcasting and writing. <laughs> but because I'm in love and I'm married, I live in the great city of Chicago. Well, muchas congratulations on us. On the 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 wedding, people always congratulate you when you get married. But it's like anyone can get married; it's not that hard. Oh, you might be surprised. <laughs> it's like when people it's like when people congratulate you when you're pregnant, and it's like I mean that's cool, but like you know, bacteria reproduces. It's not that hard. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's not. You didn't fucking win the Nobel Prize in physics. Is that what you're going to tell your wife when she is like, "Hey, we need to start a family"? It's like you know what, like bacteria reproduce also. No, well, we're trying to have a family. <laughs> I, I know. I, I think it's you say congratulations because you're like excited about it. I get that. <laughs> But I feel like it should be like, I'm happy for you. Like, congratulations implies, you you know, you did something. Like, <laughs> there is something sort of, a, not to get too woke about it, but there is something a bit oppressive about, like, the, the sort of heteronormativity of, of everyone losing their shit when you say you're getting married. But you, you, you could, like, publish a book or win awards and they'd be like, oh, that's cool. And then you're like, but I'm getting married. They're like, oh, my God, you're getting married. It's like, well, yeah, but I have other things of value that I do as a woman. But uh, anyway, I enjoyed it. It was nice. I got married in San Antonio. And nothing went terribly wrong. Although there is a <laughs> what do you mean? Nothing went terribly. Did did things go wrong? <laughs> well, apparently things going wrong in weddings is actually quite common because if you think about it, it's a lot of out of town people, a lot of drinking. Like I, I know several anecdotally, I know several people who've had things go wrong on their wedding nights. Um, <laughs> it's a situation that's that's prone to mishaps. When I got married several yeah, years I do ago, think it we is. got married in late March, and we thought that would be safe no and it snowed on our wedding day yeah. uh in the at the end of march so you never know what'll happen you know people obviously overdrink, they party etc cetera, etc cetera. but um no one was hurt too bad it was fun at my wedding they uh because of the snow they had to like move some stuff around and uh they put all these uh big containers of punch on the bar and they were just like have at it with the punch or whatever they neglected to mention that it was alcoholic um and so we were just like go nuts out there kids what did people think they were drinking at a wedding though come on right they were like yeah what is this kool-aid or whatever they don't know they didn't put a sign up no one was checking i went to a i went to a mormon wedding once and there was no drinking i wanted to fucking shoot myself by the end of the sad 
And that's why you keep a fucking case of beer in your car when you go to a Mormon wedding. I was I was amateur. I was like 24. I wasn't prepared. I, I didn't know See, what I was doing. Uh, Brendan and I grew up in Omaha where there are a shitload of Mormons. So we knew that this was the rule when you go to a Mormon wedding. You just fucking keep the, keep the booze in your car. I will say that because I did the similar thing you did where I was like, okay, I'm going to get married in San Antonio, but we'll get married in October because it'll be cool by then. Wrong. Part of our wedding was outside. It was 95 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, we kept our we kept our vows short. Did did you wear a suit? I did wear a suit with a cowboy hat. Oh, white, that's brutal! I did not wear I did not wear a hat, cowboy hat. But uh, <laughs> there, uh, you know, what's funny is when I grew up, everyone's like, "Does everyone wear cowboy hats in Texas?" And I was like, "No, that's like a total myth." And then I left for like five years and came back, and then I noticed there was a shitload of cowboy hats. <laughs> Everybody wears a cowboy like, hat. It, yeah. And then in, in San Antonio, like half your cowboy hats are worn by, you know, Latinos. They're worn by like vaqueros, you know, like, sure. like, you know, rancheros. And so it's sort of like this weird. But then I came back and I was like, yeah, the people do fucking wear cowboy hats in Texas. <laughs> For some reason, I was like offended by that question. But then they don't ride horses, however. That is that is generally not true. <laughs> right. This this whole thing has reminded me that I've got a, an extra high note, which is that the uh, the Reddit admins have finally approved uh, or at least said we're not going to get banned from reddit for doing this thing um i think i have a new podcast that's gonna happen which is gonna be the men's lib podcast we're just gonna talk about like hey man plugs go at the end you're breaking no the no, no, no no this is like <laughs> i'm not gonna plug the thing because it doesn't exist i'm just saying i'm i'm very happy that they finally confirmed, like, no, you're not going to get kicked off of Reddit if you do this thing. So there will be a, there will be a men's lib podcast. What, why were you banned from Reddit? I'm confused. Uh, so I run the men's lib subreddit. Okay. It's, it's the best place to talk about men's issues on the internet. I will stand by that motto. We have been talking for a long time about doing a podcast to basically just, like, joke about everything that has happened on the subreddit since then. And the admins recently said like, no, you will not get in trouble if you try to monetize that. So fingers crossed, we'll have a, I will have All right. my fourth podcast active like in the next couple of days. It's a lot of podcasts. If I'm not going to actually work a fucking job of work, I need to be. You got to do something with yourself. I understand that. Brandon, you had you had the proper high note. It's a high note that's been uh, like 15 years in the making. Uh, gentlemen, I'm here to announce that Half-Life 3 yeah. is happening. Oh, shit. Except it's not happening because it's, it's not <laughs> Half-Life 3. Uh, they basically trolled everyone because they're making a prequel to Half-Life. So, And it's a VR thing, which means nobody's going to be able to play it. Right. It's like you, you have to buy like a thousand dollars worth of VR equipment to play this fucking game. But you're going to so, you're going to do it, right? I mean, you have to. <laughs> hell no. Hell no. I am going to watch <laughs> YouTube videos of other people doing it, though, and it's going to be very entertaining. You'll crack eventually. But no, Half-Life, it's a game series that that holds a special place in my heart. Uh, and it famously ended on a massive cliffhanger uh, 12 years ago. And they said that they would, you know, shortly release a sequel to it. And then 15 years went by and they didn't do it. And so then they announced a new game in the Half-Life franchise uh, that is, in fact, a prequel 
Uh, so we'll not continue the, the cliffhanger story. Half-Life 3 became a meme on the internet among all of these fans that like, when is Half-Life 3 coming out? And people are taking bets about, will the sun achieve like red dwarf status before Half-Life 3 <laughs> comes out? And apparently, uh, yes. Well, I mean, this game does look pretty sweet. Uh, it is a VR game, but uh, it looks very it looks very interesting. You know, they're saying it's like the first uh, full game VR experience, uh, and uh, it definitely looks pretty cool. There's a trailer out. Uh, I was extremely disappointed to learn that uh, in Half-Life 2, the, the main character, or I guess your companion character to the player character... Is a woman of color. No, I, I understand, man. No, I, I, I understand. Is a woman of color... Uh, that we have a personal connection to, uh, as we have met her in person. It's played by Merle Dandridge. Uh, Merle Dandridge is hey. a, uh, a an alumni of our high school uh, and was heavily involved in our wow. uh, our beloved drama program uh, in in Omaha. Uh, but of course, now that it's been so fucking long to make this sequel, they kicked her to the curb for oh, a much younger that's, that's, uh, yeah. person <laughs> because this is now a prequel. That was uh, that was pretty disappointing. But uh, I'm still going to give her credit for creating. The the character <laughs> props to them and it is still you know a woman of color uh, as a main character in a video game so i'm sure the uh the internet will have no problems with that um, <laughs> yeah, no, they're usually pretty when, cool. when you're now fully embodying the character <laughs> of, a, of a woman of color to play a vr experience it's so it's yeah those meltdowns are always weird i feel like the backlash the backlash usually precedes the backlash but invariably, the backlash does come. Like people are like, everyone's mad about this, and I'm like, where? And they're like, give it five <laughs> seconds. There it is. Yeah. Number one mod of this game is going to be like white male hands uh, for the VR game or whatever, because all you see is your fucking hands or whatever <laughs> moving stuff around. Uh, so yeah. they're going to be like man hands, man hands mod. Download now, five ninety nine. Yeah, that's one of those things. That's that's the one thing that Trump really understood about his base is like getting involved in the most extremely <laughs> petty cultural wars is like this shit they really care about. And what's funny is when you try to watch people rip him off, like when Ted Cruz tries to jump in on the Kaepernick thing and it's like, your heart's not really in it. Like you're, you're like an evil corporate Republican. You don't, you don't like stay up late worrying about like the, the angle with which, you know, Kaepernick's knee is facing the flag, like these sort of really petty, uh, but Trump knows this base and he just throws him that red meat. I bet he'll, he'll probably tweet about this. I'm sure. It was really funny. They, the governor of Nebraska uh, was was tweeting about how much he hated Nike because they uh, pulled right. the Betsy Ross shoes off of the shelves or whatever. And you're just yeah. like, what the fuck are you? What the fuck do you care? Like, what are you doing? It's so disingenuous. No, Greg, Greg Abbott does this too now. Greg, Greg, the governor of Texas always jumps in on these petty. Like he, They passed the bill specifically to protect Chick-fil-A. And I'm like... This is this is this is it because everyone's just doing a Trump impression now. It's not it's not to say they didn't do this before, but now they're all really doing it. With Abbott, it's a little more authentic, but with others, I feel like they're just faking it. They just they really want to be in like a country club, like a like a racist country club playing golf with like the CEO of an oil company. They you know what I mean? They're not terminally online in brain poison, and the racism is sort of touch and go. Whereas with Trump, it's sort of core to who he is. No, it's gonna be great. I, you know, I love to see uh, my my governor like tweet about how much he hates the View and shit like that. Uh, it's gonna be so. Oh, great. I love it. Yeah, I once I once was lecturing this this class at Pace University or something, and one of the kids was like, "What's Trump's like long game? Like, what's his deal?" 
And I said, he's he's just a racist. <laughs> Not great at planning. No, nothing terribly complicated there. There are many Republican politicians who, who will sort of use racism or kind of exploit it, who may or may not personally be. But they, they, they probably are in a slight way. But, but Trump is sort of just legitimately, authentically motivated and animated by racism and anti-Semitism. It is like the core of who he is. They leaked that story that was like he was talking to said that NBC guy about like, hey, maybe we'll reboot The Apprentice when you're out of office. Yeah. That's his highest aspiration. <laughs> you know, a lot of times in life, there is like a bigger theory. There's like a bigger plan. And there's, you know, that's part of what Citations does. We sort of try to unpack and look at the bigger issue. Um, but no, no, with him, it's just, he's just a racist. Well, listener, uh, it, it turns out that almost none of our high notes were actually high notes this yes. week, which, uh, you know, that happens. Part for the course. <laughs> we were blessed to have... Adam H. Johnson on the show. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Happy to help. Happy to do it. What are you going to plug while you're on the show? It's plugs now. Uh, plugs. I mean, what you, you mean, plug my, time. Oh, I assume you tell you, you, you intro me with like the, the podcast, right? I don't have anything else pl- beyond that. It's it's a bookend of, of plugs. The citations needed and uh, I write and do the podcast for theappeal.org. And you're on fucking Twitter also. And I'm incessantly on Twitter. At? Uh, Adam Johnson NYC. There it is. You need to change it now. Now you're in Chicago. You gotta. <laughs> if you change it, you lose your blue check mark, and that blue check mark is the is the is the no only shit. thing. Is, is the, that the it, thing? Is the only thing I have in life that validates me. That's wild. So I can't I can't lose it. It's the only it's the only thing I have going for me right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna squat on Adam Johnson Chai City. <laughs> well, the lesson I learned the lesson I learned is never put a city in your name because you will move. <laughs> You will, you, will, you will fall in love with someone in this fucking frozen hellscape of a city and have to move here. All right. Uh, I'll talk to you guys later. This has been great. Yeah. yeah. In the meantime, uh, of course, you can you can follow uh, the show at liquid underscore flannel uh, and me at uh, Matt the Gwait with a W and Brennan. I'm at Brendan Williams with one L. And that's it. That's, that's it, babies. That is the end of our... Adam Johnson NYC episode. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> See ya.